Welcome to the Get Lusty Podcast. Hello, my name is Erica Gregg of Get Lusty for Couples. I'm so excited to be joined today by Jennifer, Dr. Jen of Dr. Jen's Den, and I'm not even going to start with your last name. It's amazing. It's a wonderful last name, but I don't I don't want to butcher it. It's Gonzalez. Okay. It's spelled weird. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. So excited. Jen, you are a speaker, relationship and intimacy counselor, sex educator. I've done all kinds of amazing things. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Erica. So let's just get straight to it. So you got your PhD in sociology. Yes. (laughs) Um, So what drew you to the human uh, sexuality aspect of sociology and kind of how did you get here? It's interesting because it started when I was, I mean, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, suburbs of Philadelphia, and definitely kind of grew up a good girl, good girl, kind of small town thing. And when I went to college, undergrad at Lehigh University, I think it was my, my sophomore year, my roommate joined the sexual health peer educators. And I was, you know, such a good girl, but I was fascinated by how people made decisions around sex. And I saw that she was part of this group that went around to, to the dorms and did condom demonstrations and skits and talked about STDs. And I wanted uh, public speaking skills. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to join this group. I'm like, you know, I had, I had boyfriends, but I was still like, no, I'm not going to have intercourse. I could get pregnant. I could get diseases. I was putting it off, but I was super curious about how other people made decisions to have sex. Mm. And condom use and things like that. So I ended up, I mean, I, I really did join to get the public speaking skills and then became really fascinated about how people made decisions around this and gender differences with that. And then I ended up going to get my PhD in sociology and joined the sexual health peer educators at that university as well, at University at Albany in upstate New York, and ended up, you know, helping run that group. And that's when I was coming up with my dissertation ideas and started going into looking at HIV prevention, targeting women and sexual health education. So I ended up, because I had that interest already from being an undergrad, then when I was looking for research topics, you know, I just got pulled right back to the gender and sex and sexual health and kind of uh, power dynamics along gender lines that play out around sexual decisions. So that's how I ended up getting into the sex part of all of this. Mm. So I think that's really big for us. We have a lot of readers who have experienced sexual trauma, and I have, and the issue of power between couples is definitely something that we've heard many couples experience, both kind of the aftermath of that and how they deal with that. So could you talk maybe a little bit more about like wh- what interests you about that particular power dynamic? Speak more about that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean... It was, it's definitely framed by, you know, some of like the women's studies classes and all that I was taking and just really seeing that I'm like, well, if you just look at it alone, like what are boys taught growing up versus what girls are taught growing up and Mm -hmm. girls were very much taught to, to kind of keep to ourselves, don't own our sexuality, don't rock the boat. Sexuality still very much is defined under, you know, male standards of, of how we view sex, even how we research it a lot of times and define things. And that generally puts women at a, you know, a disadvantage because our bodies are different, our approach is different, our needs are different. And, 
in general, you know, we do have that boys will be boys approach to thing, which gives men, at least some groups of men, more freedom around their sexuality, doing what they want, talking about it how they want, asking for what they want, and a type of freedom that young women just generally are not taught at all. And then put the shame and, and stigma and taboo just in general that we have on sex society. There's a ton of silence around it. And I think, you know, women bear the weight of that. You brought up trauma specifically. Uh, I mean, for sure, if, if we lived in a society where we just had much greater understanding of sexuality, talked about it in an open, frank manner, if girls grew up understanding boys' perspectives and boys grew up understanding girls' perspectives, you know, we wouldn't have so much shame and secrecy and exploitation and hurt around it. It would just be something that we talk about. Anything that lives in the shadows, the way sexuality does, is going to have a ton of negative aspects. And we unfortunately foster that in our society. Mm. Well, we hope that we are, we're, we're trying to end that. Clearly, you are a part of the opposite of that. Yes, we're so sad that that happens, and we, we definitely do want to stop that. And that was one of the reasons why we started Get Lusty for Couples. So now you're, you're talking about the, the secrecy of things that happen that are bad, and that is great because then it, it segues into my next question, which is some of the biggest issues that you've seen for couples who are approaching you. I know you are a relationship and intimacy counselor. What are some of the biggest issues that you have seen for couples? Well, just to segue from your the secrecy comment, something that I'm seeing more and more with my younger couples, folks that are in their 20s, is the secrecy and then jealousy component that really, it's showing up in a very different way than I see with my older couples because of technology, because of Facebook and texting mostly. This is what I see that there's a whole you know, element of folks that just are so used to, oh, yeah, you text everybody. Oh, you, you text ex-girlfriends. You text women, you know, you're interested in saying from a guy's perspective, um, oh, you're on Facebook just looking for cute girls and stuff like that. And then what happens then when they're in a serious relationship and they're just used to doing that type of stuff and now their partner, you know, catches them, quote, unquote, and they're like, oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. The partner's like, well, you know, what are you, why are you, why are you texting your ex-girlfriends? You know, why do you have to do that? What's that about? And the guy's like, oh, it's, it's nothing. It's just something that I do. But then the woman is understandably jealous mm. and curious about, you know, what's the secrecy going on? So that's an, a very interesting new thing that I see. That's not something we see in older generations in the same way. Obviously, I mean, you've got secrecy, infidelity mm. in its own ways, but that texting and Facebook just create this opportunity in a new way. And that I see some younger folks struggling with that. And then where do you draw that line? you know, when you're in a committed relationship. So what about the older folks? What are, what are they dealing with? The biggest thing I get is, I mean, folks that have been in longer term relationships is the boredom and kind of being, you know, sold the bill of goods that, Hey, if you find the right person you want, you get the right job and you have your kids, you're going to have this passionate, happy, fulfilled life. And, you know, after five, ten years, they're like, wait, what's going on? This is kind of boring. We don't even have time for sex. We're tired. Like, there's no excitement. You know, what do we, it, does it mean we're not meant to be together? Mm. So just this, you know, romantic, passionate, you know, what I call being sold the bill of goods, you know, kind of the, the Hollywood Disney version of things does leave people very disappointed and questioning. You know, am I with the right person? You know, what do we do? Why? Sex is hard now. Like, what do you mean we have to schedule it if it's going to happen? So for me, it's a lot of 
reframing expectations and just starting a new version of what sexuality means in a long-term relationship when you do have a lot of priorities and competing needs that are important and when you don't have the the hormones and the dopamine pulsing through your your brain like they do early in a relationship that make you know the sex part generally so easy and fun and you want to put your partner up on a pedestal what is it when you're just really dealing with the the reality of you know our lives today and the pace that we keep up in our lives as americans so that's a big thing i see and then and just also the gender difference aspect of that of the it's, it's kind of cliche but i do see it a lot that women are desiring more closeness mm. deep conversations and knowing their partner really well and and want that closeness and, and sort of the romantic aspects of that still then to feel comfortable and to want to have sex and open up for that and men are saying yeah but i, I need to have that sex to want to be close to you oh yeah open up and go to that vulnerability. So they're very different versions of vulnerability. And kind of once couples start to get out of the habit of more regular sex, they both kind of go into their corners and both are sort of nervous to initiate or to be vulnerable in that way and, and kind of, you know, carrying some hurt feelings and all. Hmm. So addressing those issues and addressing those problems what are some of the things that you recommend to couples? Um, what are some of the best practices that you say to couples? Okay, if you do these things, then you are going to be in a lot better situation. I know you talked about scheduling sex, but you know, maybe what are yeah. some well, other best to, practices? I mean, I, a broad thing to cover both the jealousy and the secrecy with younger couples and then the kind of boredom gender differences with older ones. One thing that I love to recommend to couples when they are trying to, I mean, cause this is all, you know, they come to see me because the habits that they're in and the patterns they're in aren't working for them. So we need to figure out how to create new habits and patterns and how to infuse them with strength and regularity so that they become their new their new habits and way of doing things. And one of the best ways to do that is just something that I call a weekly check-in and say every Sunday night at eight o'clock or something, you know that you've got a weekly check-in for a half hour. And if you build that in that whatever topics you're working on, say you're working on more, you know, transparency about contact with the opposite sex, you know, you get to have a check-in and be like, okay, you know, I'm just going to tell you this ex-girlfriend contacted me. I felt like texting this person, but I didn't, you know, something like that, like a check-in around it. So that anything that's secret or anything that's the elephant in the room gets discussed mm -hmm. regularly. And it, when you build it in that every week, you know, you're going to talk about this, all of a sudden it's not so big anymore. It's not so difficult anymore. And you build skills and comfort about how to talk about these topics that you haven't been talking about. And like say around, you know, boredom and long-term relationships, just even a check-in. I like to give folks ways to quantify abstract concepts that otherwise are, are difficult to wrap their brain around. Like, for example, like, well, how do you check in? Like, how do you, how close are you feeling intimacy wise? So I like to give people, I'm like, put it on a one to 10 scale, you know, one hardly at all, 10 super close and connected, mm -hmm. you know, and once a week check in, like, wh where have you been on our intimacy scale? How close or connected are you feeling? Oh, okay. You're at a seven. Awesome. You know, you were at a six last week. What made it higher this week? Or you were at a seven. Oh, you were at an eight last week. What changed for you? You know, what can we work on together as a team around this? The, the intimacy scale, right? Passion, intimacy, connection kind of thing, communication. And that's the pick scale. Yes. Okay. I do know what you're referring to. Yes. This is sort of a, a, a mini version of that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, 
So that is a great recommendation. And I think couples, I don't think we've even talked about that. I don't think we've even talked about the pick scale and that is such a great recommendation. So thanks so much for that. So now in terms of you talk about um, health, sexual and emotional health as a holistic and being kind of mind, body, spirit in your perspective. Now, why do you think a holistic approach to sexual and emotional health matters? Yeah, a holistic approach, and, and by that, I mean, I take the big picture of looking at physical, mental, emotional, social, and mm. spiritual, whatever that means to each individual or couple, mm. because humans are incredibly complex, like emotionally. Like, I, I joke, actually, I, I help couples distinguish between two types of logic, and one is left brain linear logic that we're used to, but there's also this right-brained or, or what I call human emotional logic that's very complex and that when we pull back all the, you know, because you look at your partner sometimes, you're like, why did you say that or why did you do that or what's going on? And from like a left brain linear logic, like it makes no sense. But when you look at it from this, what I call a human emotional logic, and you pull back the layers and you're like, oh, right, you learned, you know, when you, you're dad and mom modeled this for you. And then in your first relationship, you had this experience. And then you read this book at a seminal time. And then because of this interaction early in your relationship, you built this belief system. And oh, and this is one of your insecurities. And when you look at all these different layers and beliefs and meaning and experiences, you know, what people do or say or believe make a ton of sense. But it's its own version of logic. And I think that's what, when we take a holistic approach, it really helps us make sense of where folks are coming from, where they are now, and then what's, what blocks are getting in their way of, of where they want to be and what their ideal relationship is or ideal sex life. And so to me, it's just always pulling back the layers of the onion, and which is to me really honoring to people. Because if we're only looking at a few different components, we're, we're never going to get to the heart of it. And people aren't going to really be able to voice their truth and feel heard and feel understood. And the more we get to the core, even though it can be pretty complex to get to the core, the more we pull back the layers, the more people know themselves, the more people learn to like themselves and accept themselves. And it's from that foundation, that's the strongest foundation to move forward to be able to make change and create new patterns and habits that honor them more and honor their partners more. Awesome. That's man that's that that sounds that makes so much sense it really does looking yeah. at all of those perspectives and i think sometimes when we're angry or frustrated it can be really so much more difficult uh, to kind of consider those perspectives so i think that's something that we can take with us i mean at least me definitely i i think yeah. <laughs> once i get angry i'm like oh i just get angry right everything the whole uh, prefrontal cortex shuts down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. everybody has something that they can work oh, on and, absolutely. and yeah. improve. Um, and, and talking about sexuality is something that people don't do very often. So I just have two more questions. Okay. Um, one of those is talking about sexuality. So you talk about boldly talking about sexuality outside the box. And I think the, the way that sex educators, you included, talk about sexuality is very empowering and open. I talk to a lot of people and they have questions about just talking about sexuality um, in a very open way. Do you have any recommendations about um, just talking about sexuality to people who, you know, might not be as open as you are and kind of just starting these conversations? Absolutely. I, I, one of the things that I've found is that, you know, if we're, if we're left to our own devices with our partner 
and we're awkward or uncomfortable about anything, we kind of stay stuck in that place. But what I found, you know, for example, as soon as a couple comes to see me and I give them a homework assignment around something, all of a sudden it's not them being as vulnerable and having to initiate or put themselves out there as much. It's like, oh, well, we have to do this or talk about this because it's a Dr. Jen homework. And folks can take that same type of structure, even if they're not seeing a counselor, you know, and build that into to developing their sex life in new ways. For example, if you guys agree that once a week, one of you is responsible for bringing one new thing to your sex life. And it's going to be a little awkward and uncomfortable at first, but you can sit and brainstorm the type of stuff that you like or books that you could read or mm-hmm. websites you could check out or podcasts to listen to or whatever. But basically, if you know, you're taking turns each week switching off and there's a structure around it. It's like, okay, every Friday night we're going to switch off and you're in charge of bringing one new thing. And it could be just a new sensation that you want to focus on. It could be a type of music that you want to listen to while you're being sexual, or it could be an actual position, or it could be a toy, or, or it could be that you share your fantasies. I mean, you could make up a whole list of stuff. And then, you know, once a week you choose something and, and you agree, like, okay, how big do you want to go? How small do you want to go? Where's your comfort around this? But do you build your own um, structure about what's expected of each of you? And stay, you know, committed to moving forward with that. Because I think it's less if it's just out of the blue and you're, you're going to try to introduce something new. It can be kind of awkward. You can feel vulnerable. Your partner could be like, wait, 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 what's wrong? Why, is something not working? Why are you bringing new things in? And you sit down together and be like, hey, our sex life is great, but I'd love to learn new things and try new things. How do you feel about that? There's a ton of stuff out there that we don't know about. And get on the same page about that, that it's all just about learning and growing and exploring. And it has nothing to do with anyone's doing anything wrong. And then set it, like I said, at your own level of comfort. What's a one on the scale of new things versus a 10 on the scale? And where do you want the new things to be on that scale? Mm, That sounds like a great idea right there. (laughs) Tons of ideas and tips that you are gifting to us today, Dr. Jen. (laughs) So you've done a lot of things over the past several years, um, and I'm sure you are going to go on doing some amazing things over this year. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to over this year? Well, I just came out with my first ebook, so I'm going to be advertising that soon. So we just released it, and I have a co-author, Dr. Diana Hoppy, and she is um, she's in San Diego with me, and she's a OBGYN, board certified. So really cool to join forces with her, coming from my sociology, sex therapist side of things, and her coming from the the medical perspective. Although she also brings in a holistic perspective as well, and she has a, a book recently she came out with on healthy libido. And so that's really cool. And I'm excited. We, we created this short ebook specifically targeting young women about eight, um, age 18 to 30. And it's called Am I Normal? A Woman's Guide to Female Sexuality. It's only about 45 pages. It's got six chapters, you know, covering female anatomy to body image to messages you learned from childhood and some sensuality and masturbation. And each chapter has a worksheet afterwards so that you can put what you've learned and what you think about this into action immediately. So it's really about young women's own personal journey around sexuality. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. I think it's a, I think it'll be a a nice, a, a nice resource for young women. And then otherwise, actually with Dr. Diana also, her and I are going to be doing a women's wellness symposium 
here in San Diego at uh, La Costa Resort in January with two other medical doctors. And this will be targeting women probably between 40 and 65 and talking about hormones and balance and stress reduction and passion. So that's a big event that we're promoting out here. I'm excited about. I just got accepted to speak at the TEDx Women Conference. This is the first one San Diego's having, or it's part of America's Finest City is the official name of it. So I'm thrilled to be part of a, a TEDx event and speaking, and I'll be speaking about uh, women's sexuality and empowerment and mindfulness. So I'm thrilled to have that opportunity. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that as well. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, it'll be it'll be neat because it's a the TEDx Women. I believe it's the first one that's happening, and it's happening same weekend, like November thirtieth through December second, all around the world. Like all different countries around the world will be hosting TEDx Women events, and specifically about topics that are meaningful to women, and about how women look at the world differently. How often men will present it in a black and white way, but as women, we often know there's a lot of gray area and it's all about the space in between that matters. And that's the theme for this TEDx conference, which I think is so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that does sound freaking cool. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jen, for joining us. And we look forward to promoting all your awesome stuff and, and staying in touch. Thank you. I love working with you guys. You guys are great, Erica. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about Get Lusty, visit GetLusty.com, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at GetLusty, and have a lusty day.